What's going on? Welcome into the Monday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside my co-host Jim Eikenoff for Pelicans.com. The Pelicans coming off a big win last night over the Houston Rockets, 120-107. to They complete a 3-1 road trip, three straight wins on the road for the first time in over a year. And the Pelicans now sit in 10th all by themselves in that race for a playing spot in the Western Conference. Of course, the Pelicans will play the Houston Rockets again tomorrow night inside the Smoothie King Center, and that gives us a chance to welcome in Craig Ackerman, the television voice of the Houston Rockets, to join us today to talk about what went down last night. Craig, I appreciate the time. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so the the Pelicans uh, get some fits from the Houston Rockets. Obviously, December 8th, it was all Houston in Houston, and it looked kind of that way again last night for a little bit. The lead for the Rockets got up to double digits early in that third quarter. Kind of what changed after that for the Pelicans to get back in the game and end up winning the ball game. Uh, Brandon Ingram. <laughs> he was, I mean, he had a dominant third quarter, what, 17 points, five assists for him, you know, in that in that third quarter. I mean, he was just, I mean, just not, and initially it was him scoring. You know, the Rockets went up by 11 early in the third, and then New Orleans led by Ingram. They went on a 13-0 run that took about, I think it took less than two minutes. Uh, he had eight of those 13 points. And then once he started going, in terms of his own personal scoring, then he started basically assisting on everybody else. I know he's been been used more as a playmaker this year than at any point in his career and is averaging a career high in assist. He was just, he was amazing. He dominated and the Pelicans took over control of the game in the third quarter and ultimately never looked back. Uh, before I get to Jim here, I kind of wanted to go back on Brandon Ingram. As you mentioned, he's averaging 36 and a half points per game against the Rockets this season. But obviously, with you being with the Rockets for so long, you've had a chance to see Brandon Ingram's growth, not only from New Orleans, but also back when he was with Los Angeles. But we'll focus on his Pelicans. From what you've seen three years ago from him until now, what's been the biggest change for him as, as far as um, him being able to take over games like he did against the Rockets yesterday? You know, I, I think sometimes it's hard. Look, he's always been incredibly talented. And that has never been up for debate since he walked into the league. Everybody could see his his talent. But, you know, ultimately it, it takes time for guys to grow and mature and understand the league and learn how opposing teams are going to defend you and how to attack them and how to play angles and where on the floor uh, are your best spots to get shots from, um, when and when not to attack, when and when not to facilitate. I think it's just part of his maturation process. Um, you know, he's, you know, I, I think the addition of Valanchunas has been a big one. I think he's a very underrated player in the league. Um, I think it sort of maybe helped him take a little bit of the, the pressure off because you have to be so aware of where Valanchunas is on the floor because if he goes down low and gets deep positioning, then it's basically uh, two points for New Orleans. But I think it's just, it's just like a lot of talented players in this league, it's just taking a little bit of time for him to ultimately mature. He's always been able to score the ball. But um, yeah, I mean, he's he was so dominant. I mean, playing downhill, pulling up, um, you know, I, obviously this year he's taking more mid-range shots than he has uh, ever before. Um, Maybe for him individually, that sort of unlocked his game and makes him a little bit more difficult to defend for opposing teams. Uh, But I just think that the talent's always been there, but over the years he's matured, he's coming to his own. He's in the middle of his prime here and he's showing all of the the promise that every, you know, he was a high draft pick. Everybody thought he was going to be a great player in the league and all that now is coming to fruition for him. Greg, you mentioned how a lot of times it takes years, it takes time for players to develop. It seems like with what the Rockets are going through right now, that's kind of pretty fitting in, in terms of their situation. 
situation. I was wondering, I know this is really kind of the second year that the, that they've gone with a lot of uh, young players that they're trying to see, you know, make progress really the first season that it was the plan, I think going into the year, I know that probably wasn't the case in the previous season, but we won't get into that today. But uh, what do you think are some of the goals? What are some of the things that you want to see over the last 29 games of the season from the Rockets? Same goals has been the case for all of this season and the second half of last season when they ultimately went to, you know, um, full rebuild mode. Um, after, after about the last year, the Rockets lost 20 in a row. And it was about the midway point of that 20 game losing streak that they ultimately decided, all right, look, we're going to go full on rebuild. Um, and from that point forward, it's, it's about player development. It's about watching the young guys mature and grow and gain experience and ride the inevitable roller coaster that comes um, with that. Uh, you know, and, and one area that the Rockets really struggle at is defense or the worst defensive team in the league. The last two halves, second halves, the one in San Antonio, the Rockets were only down by three at halftime and got blown out in the second half. They were up by five in this one last night to New Orleans. They got run off the floor in the second half. You know, defense is, is an issue for this team, but it's about guys like Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. and Alperon Shingun and K.J. Martin and so on and so forth. Just getting reps, getting time, getting experience, taking their lumps, learning from it, attempting to grow and move forward and try to get better. Uh, and again, that for, for, for most teams takes – a long time it's not a month-long process it's not a season-long process it's seasons and so um frankly this is true year number one of the rebuild from the the ground floor up so there's going to be some rough patches uh and there have been obviously but it's hopefully about making sure that these young guys gain experience grow and develop so two three years down the road um, they can be ready to go and this team can be back into playoff contention at that point. You, you speaking, you, you just spoke of um, playoff contention. I was curious how, uh, how interested are you in the, in the looking at the and following kind of the West play in race right now? One, one of the things I noticed when I look through your remaining schedule is you actually have 10 of your last 29 games are against the teams that are kind of vying for the West play in uh, last couple spots or four spots, you still have three games against the Clippers, one against the Lakers, one against the Wolves, two against the Pelicans, one against the Spurs, two against the Kings. So, I mean, from your perspective, I mean, how how interested are you to see how that shakes out over the course of the remaining part of the season? Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, probably low. Um, you know, again, <laughs> from where we sit, um, and look, the previous, what, outside of last, before last season when everything um, – sort of changed when, you know, coming out of the bubble, Mike D'Antoni left, Daryl Morey left, and then ultimately everything went down with, with Harden. I mean, the Rockets had eight tremendous seasons where they were a, for the vast majority of those years, they were a legit championship contender. And so you kept an eye on that uh, very keenly around here, seeing who did what. At this point, again, the focus is on player development and, and, and player uh, growth. I'm sure, look, I, I, and I think with winning, you develop, good habits. Um, so I would like to see this group continue to try to win as many games as they possibly can. And that honestly is their goal going into um, every game. This team is not playing to lose, but it happens a lot when you have a lot of young and 
inexperienced players. So it's ultimately it's about I'd like to see the Rockets maybe play spoiler in there if it means to Houston that there's an opportunity for the players to learn and grow. And again, that's where that's where all of my focus is right now. And I think in terms of fans of this team who follow the team closely, that's ultimately what they're looking at as well and shouldn't get hung up on too much uh, on the wins and losses so long as it means that these young guys continue to learn and grow. Speaking of a couple of young guys, before I let you go, I do want to focus in on, on Jalen Green and you mentioned Shangoon um, as well for the Rockets. What have you seen in their development from the beginning of the year to now um, as far as how they've been able to progress? Well, we'll start with Alperon Shangoon. I mean, here's a guy who the Rockets have projected much higher in this most recent draft than where he ultimately um, was selected. They thought he was a high-end uh, lottery talent. Uh, they made a move to go up and, and get him uh, from Oklahoma City. And when he first stepped onto the floor, I mean, it was apparent that, you know, even though he was the youngest 19-year-old of the five that the Rockets currently have, well, they no longer have five. Uh, Josh Christopher has recently turned 20, so he's uh, he's an old man now. But Josh Christopher, <laughs> by the way, I know I haven't mentioned him. He's He looks like he might be a player uh, in yeah. this league for a very long time to come. But from, from the word go, um, within the, the first week of training camp, I was out. They, they uh, started training camp down in Galveston. So I went down there and was watching the team play. And the one guy, honestly, who really stood out to me from the first moment I started watching those practices and scrimmages was Shingun. Like, he can play. Like, he may be young, um, but he's been playing professionally against men in Turkey, which in many cases is regarded as the third best league in the world. And he dominated that league. Uh, at 18 years old. Um, and you could tell right away that this guy was really, really good. And his season started off that way where he was just, he made some, he's an incredible passer. Uh, I'm not calling the, not, I am not, people always take this stuff the wrong way when you hear broadcasters mention comparisons because they take it literally, but he's, he's got very Nikola Jokic like qualities to him and that you can put him at the high post. You can operate him. Uh, at the top of the circle outside the three-point line and, and use him as a hub to run your offense because he has such a high basketball IQ and his passing ability is he's incredible I mean, he makes just some just amazing passes his court vision is it's very highly developed for a very young uh, and inexperienced player so I'm very excited about him uh, and his future he had an ankle injury uh, which slowed him down when he came back. He didn't look quite the same, but he's starting to round back into that into that form now. Maybe hit a little bit of a rookie wall as well. But I think his future um, is is very bright. Uh, Jalen Green at the start of the season had some amazing moments. Had that breakout game against Boston where he made eight threes. When you watch Jalen Green play, one thing that stands out is that the guy is just uber athletic. I mean, it just jumps out at you every time um, you watch him play. And I think because of his ability um to get to the rim now he needs to work on his his finishing ability and the coaches have worked very tirelessly with him to uh improve his shot mechanics um pretty much with his ability to get shots up quickly particularly John Lucas has really worked with him uh, and there have been some up and downs with him uh but he's got explosive athletic ability and when he kind of puts things together and uses the athletic ability and also plays with some patience um, he can be a very good player. And so I'm very bright on his future as well, but he ultimately has to get stronger um, to deal with the physicality uh, in the league. But like I said, I think Josh Christopher is quietly developing into a pretty reliable 
um, two-way uh, two-way player as well. So it looked like looks like the Rockets have have found some pretty good players of the four they took in the first round this last go around in Christopher Green and Shingu. And I think the jury is still out on Garuba. Uh, he's been a little up and down, um, but again, he's only 19. So there's still plenty of time for him to develop. So um, I think the future is bright, but ultimately we'll have to see where these players get to a couple of years from now. Yeah. It should be interesting to see how they progress, not only through this season, but starting next season as well. That's Craig Ackerman, television voice of the Houston Rockets, Pelicans in Rockets tomorrow night inside the Smoothie King Center. Craig, I really appreciate the time. I know we won't get to see you, but if we don't talk to you, good luck the rest of the way. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you down the line. Anytime. And uh, should see you guys in March for our second visit to New Orleans. So looking forward to it. All right. Sounds good. That's Craig Ackerman, right, television you. voice of the Houston Rockets. That's Craig Ackerman, television voice of the Houston Rockets on the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeky. Jim, Mike and offer back with me here as we wrap up the show. And Jim, you know, this team has won three in a row on the road. The first time they've done that in almost over a year, a road trip that you go three and one. And now you're sitting 10th all by yourself. And look, I know people are saying, well, this team's 11 games under 500. Why are you celebrating the play-in spot right now? And you're just a half game ahead of the Blazers. But this is a team that started 1-12, 3-16. It's hard not to get excited about a team that could easily have folded, could easily say, well, you know, now we're just got to focus on next year. To a team now that the way things are going could potentially not even look back and be in that 10th spot, hopefully – for the remainder of the season, just to turn around, especially just in a one-week span of where this team looked after the four-game losing streak, the three, three-and-a-half games back, potentially at the Blazers, you're like, man, this does not look good. And all of a sudden, now you're a half game up. I mean, it's amazing how things can change just with a blink of an eye. Yeah, and they had a chance. I mean, they really could have gone 4-0. and I mean, we yeah. can play the woulda, coulda, shoulda game all day, I suppose, but that, that Cleveland game was very winnable. I mean, for me personally, I guess I'll speak for myself. I was pretty frustrated after that one, just knowing that the Pelicans were in the lead for most of the night. But right. anyways, why am I going negative here? Let, yeah. let's, everything is going well. Let's not let's not dwell <laughs> on on uh, frustration and bad outcomes. No, I, I'm with you. I mean, I think I do think from the outside, maybe from people that don't follow the Pelicans or national perspective, as you said, they look at maybe some of the reaction today or after the game last night, and they say, what's the big deal to be in 10th place in a conference that has 15 teams? Um, you know, the record is still isn't that great in the broad scheme of things. But I mean, if you, to me, it's not just the way that they started the season, but also you could kind of point to a little bit of the frustration of how badly last season went and how they didn't meet expectations as well as the end of the 2020 season in the bubble. So, I mean, to me, it's been kind of building of that there's been there's a lot of reasons to be pleased right now with the way things have turned around and just the way that they've responded to adversity. I mean, for them to be in the position that they're in it is great. I know um, it's not like they've made it. It's not like they made it to the finish line. There's still um, what, 29 games left and there's right. still a few teams that are right behind them. So it's going to be really interesting to kind of watch to see how this plays out. But I mean, if they keep playing the way that they have been, if they have the results, keep producing these kind of results where they went three in a row on the road and now they're home for six games. I mean, I think not only can we start looking at, okay, they're the 10th seed, but maybe they can keep moving up and, and make even further progress up the standings. You just hit on it with the six game homestand, but I think there's two very important milestones here before the all-star break. One 
It's a trade deadline on Thursday to see what direction not only the Pelicans go in, but some of the other teams floating around that 10th spot in the Western Conference, whether it's the Blazers, whether it's the Kings, whether it's the Spurs. You'll kind of have an idea after Thursday as far as which teams are saying we're maybe shifting our focus to next season or some saying let's get into this race and see what we can do. The other, as you mentioned, is a six-game homestand. Look, the All-Star break is not even close to being the official halfway point. It's way over that. There's 29 mm-hmm. games to go after the homestand, just 23 the games to go after the All-Star break. That could change kind of the trajectory of what the Pelicans uh, are looking at as far as the Western Conference playing with these six home games. I mean, they've played, seems like, so many more road games that this is the longest homestand of the season. And with games against the Rockets, you have – you have games against Spurs that you're chasing here, or as far as the team that's behind you, you have some really good teams in the Grizzlies, the Heat, and the Mavericks, and the Raptors are playing well. Like, this could be a huge opportunity for New Orleans here before the All-Star break hits. Definitely. And I think one of the, of the among the many encouraging signs is that the Pelicans have been playing so much better at home over the last stretch of games. I mean, they had a span there where they went 8-2 and two at home. They lost their last couple um when they were most recently here, they lost to Denver in Boston in that back-to-back. But before that, um, they had such a great long stretch where they were playing really well. So it's a it's a tremendous opportunity to, like you said, um, I mean, get closer to 500, maybe make up some ground on some of the other teams that are vying for playing status. Um, we have no idea what's going to happen in the next three days between now and the trade deadline. Um, but it is possible that there could be some teams that make the decision that, you know, we're not going all in on trying to make the play in tournament this year that it's, we're looking down the road. I know it seems like from the outside looking in, that's kind of the mentality that Portland has right now. If they make some further changes and subtractions from their roster, like they did in the trade with the Clippers, it, it seems like it will be more difficult for them to stay competitive as far as being in the race. So we might have to shift to, I mean, I focused a ton on Portland lately in terms of, for obvious reasons, I mean, they've been the team that's in 10th and the Pelicans have been kind of going back and forth, but they've been in 11th frequently. Maybe we shift to the Spurs and the Kings and some of these other teams um, that, I mean, the Spurs are have a, a bunch of young guys that they're also trying to develop. It's obviously not to the extreme that Houston is in where it's, they really have a bunch of players that don't have a lot of experience or resume behind them. Um, and then the Kings, I think, are pretty desperate. I don't know if desperate is the right word, but they, they're they definitely motivated to try to make the playoffs because they've had, they have such a long uh, postseason drought. So it'll be interesting to see how all this stuff shifts over the next few days if there are any major trades between now and Thursday. Absolutely. You mentioned the Pelicans' struggles at home last week without, with Brandon, with, the Celtics and Nuggets lost, but those two games were without Brandon Ingram. And I feel like we have to bring up Brandon Ingram from what he's yeah. done since he's been able to return, which has been a 3-0 record for the Pelicans. He came back on Tuesday against the Pistons. And look at last night with those 33 points, the 12 assists. He's averaging 36 and a half points per game against the Rockets. But man, oh man, it it's, seems like there's more to his game that we're starting to see. And I think those assists are what we're really – starting to uh, kind of see every single night back-to-back 10-plus assist games. The facilitating is what sticks out to me right now, but overall just what you're seeing out of Brandon Ingram is all-star level type talent from him. It's certainly what the Pelicans need to get back in this race. It really is. I mean, two years ago he was an all-star in the Western Conference, but 
I think the way he's played lately has been the best that he's, he's played since he's come to new Orleans. I mean, the combination of like Craig mentioned the third quarter that he had last night where he just said, I'm going to take over the game and you're not going to be able to stop me. He had 17 points in that third quarter that, that combined with the way that he's setting up guys for open shots and easy baskets. Craig also mentioned the addition of Jonas Valanciunas, which I think has definitely helped Ingram and helped really everyone in terms of they, they have that anchor on offense that they can go to something they didn't really have in the low post in pre previous seasons of a guy that they could say, you know, the other team's making a run, especially on the road. The, we had a 15 point lead or whatever it was. And now it's down to six or eight. We really need a basket. Can we just get it into this guy in the post and let him, let him operate. So, I mean, that's been huge, but um, Ingram has just been so impressive lately and um, the way that he's come back from his injury, it, it is, I think it is sometimes easy to forget um, some of the struggles that the team has had this year have been when he hasn't been on the court. I mean, it's so obvious if you look at the record of the team and all of the different statistics between when he plays and when he doesn't play, just to show you how valuable he's been. What else has been valuable this week? I feel like um, since Willie Green moved him into the starting lineup, he was out yesterday of the starting line because Josh Harbour turned, but Jackson Hayes for the first time in his young career, back-to-back 20-plus point games. And, man, he's been playing really good, whether it's been at the four spot and kind of hanging out in that dunker spot, getting a lot of easy looks at the rim, his defensive versatility, being able to run the floor, block shots, switch on defenders. I mean, this is by far, I'm not going out on the limb, by far the best play of Jackson Hayes' young career so far. It definitely is. I mean – I've heard Antonio Daniels on the broadcast recently talk about how sometimes the light just comes on for a player at a certain time. And also you, you, you can't expect a guy's progress to kind of go on us on a, uh, an even trajectory. Sometimes a guy gets a little bit better. Maybe he takes a step back, you know, maybe he plateaus a little bit and then he makes another improvement. I feel like that's been the case with Jackson is his, progress over the last couple of years hasn't been in a direct line. It's been kind of up and down, but man, I can't remember seeing a guy, a player transform the way he has. I mean, for him to go from, you know, being out of the rotation and really, I don't think anyone would have made the argument that, you know, he wasn't being outplayed by Billy Hernan Gomez for a, a long stretch of the season and that it was a, rightful decision to to change the rotation the way that they did for for him to go for for Jackson to go from that to the way he's been playing lately is just I'm not sure if I've ever seen this before where a guy is so consistently now putting up huge numbers and just terrorizing people on the other end of the on both ends of the floor I mean he's been a dunking machine as I've mentioned on Twitter a lot lately and it was it was interesting last night you know I know there were, there were people that were disappointed that he was moved to the bench and that's to be expected based on the way that he has been, been playing, but Herb Jones picks up a couple fouls and he enters the game after only, I think it was maybe five or six minutes and immediately goes right back into the mode of, I'm going to go out here and slam everything and outrun people down the floor and just play with so much energy. So it was uh, great to see the way that he responded last night after, you know, he doesn't start the game, but it was almost like he did start the game. He ended up having 13 points and four dunks in just the first quarter. So uh, very impressive. Yeah. Herb Jones got into foul trouble there real quickly. So that allowed Jackson Hayes to basically play 
with Jonas and the Rockets went big with Shangun and Wood as well. So I think they were kind of thinking that Pelicans would maybe go with that route of Hayes and Jonas to start the game, which they did not due to Josh Hart being back. All right, Jim. Well, it's going to be a fun couple of weeks here inside the Smoothie King Center. I encourage everyone to come out and support this team. And we'll welcome in the Houston Rockets tomorrow night inside the Smoothie King Center. And then the number one seed in the East, the Miami Heat, Thursday, 6.30 p.m. tip. And then Saturday, those San Antonio Spurs roll in the town. So a very important week for the Pelicans. Hope you all can make it out. And, of course, Jim and I will have podcasts for you the rest of the week on Mon- on Wednesday and Friday. Jim, I appreciate it. It's been a fun week. Let's hope to make it another fun one here back at home. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, this is a lot of fun, especially compared to the way the season started. I I, I couldn't be happier with the way things are going, and hopefully this continues and we'll have continue to have a lot more good stuff to talk about. Absolutely. So, all right, we'll talk to you again on Wednesday. For Craig Ackerman, Jim Eikenhofer, I'm Daniel Sallerson. Thanks for listening to the Monday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by CP.